0: Hello, and welcome to Building Better, a podcast about life and research at the Bartlett and how we are trying to build better. My name is Christoph Lindner, and as well as being your host for this podcast, I am also the dean here at the Bartlett. In each episode, I'll be sitting down with other members of this community to explore a topic that captures a snapshot of what happens here from innovative techniques to interdisciplinary ideas to groundbreaking results. To all of our returning listeners, thank you for joining us for season two, and to our new listeners, a very warm welcome. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also want to listen to season one, which you can find wherever you're listening to this episode. For our first episode in this new series, we will be exploring online space. Is it real space? Does it? Should it? Can it work in the same way and follow the same rules as physical space? These are big questions that we couldn't possibly answer in one episode. And so what we thought we would do is be a bit more specific and ask one really key question. What does, or should, an online classroom look like? And to answer this question, I've invited along two innovative educators from the Bartlett. And our first guest today is Elizabeth Dow, an associate professor who leads the Architectural and Interdisciplinary Studies BSc program at the Bartlett School of Architecture. Elizabeth was awarded the UCL Provost Education Award in the academic support category earlier this year for her work on supporting students through a new personal tutoring scheme. I'm also joined by Alvaro Lopez Rodriguez, a lecturer at the Bartlett School of Architecture, who also does research in digital manufacturing and augmented reality. Alvaro has worked on several architectural projects that use 3D printing, including the digital grotesque project for the Pompidou Center in Paris, a seven ton 3D printed sandstone structure. So welcome. And to begin, I would love to ask you to share with us a little bit about your experience of teaching through the pandemic. Elizabeth, what was it like for you and your students?
1: I think probably everybody would agree it happened so quickly. So we had to adjust remarkably quickly. And those first few months went so went so fast, it, it's, it's hard to sort of realise what we ought to think about. But I think the key thing for all of us at that point was the support that we got from colleagues. It was amazing how quickly we were all set up at home and able to support students teach, t- teaching wise, but also pastorally very quickly. I think the key thing for us is that we knew the students at that point, and that was really helpful. We'd met them from the outset, we knew everybody what it was like to teach them face to face. we knew we knew their personalities. So perhaps that adjustment was was quicker than it might have been otherwise. And also I think the other thing was that it was an amazing honeymoon period that we all we all rushed home, started teaching, had no choice, and the weather was amazing. So I think uh, we were all just getting on with it in those first, in those first few weeks.
0: So it's great to hear about things that did go well, but when the pandemic hit and we made that sudden pivot to online teaching, did you right at the beginning think it was possible to pull off? And I asked that question because many of our programs in the Bartlett are studio-based, hands-on programs that really require a lot of in-person interaction, being in rooms together for extended periods of time. And I think before the pandemic, many of us would have questioned whether we could do any kind of studio-based teaching online
1: well yes i'd say most of us would have said if we'd been given chance to think about it we'd have have been very negative about it as a possibility but again we we had no choice and that was that was possibly to our advantage and i think architects and teaching architecture we, we we historically have been very inventive in terms of how we teach i think we're probably a profession of problem solvers so we sort of enjoy that, and we jump quickly to coming up with solutions. And without a doubt, it wasn't the same experience for the students. And no one, in any shape or form, would have thought that they, you know, that, that they were getting quite the experience that they'd expected that they had had up till that point. Not least because so many of them were, were were having to leave the country, leave London, travel across the UK, travel across the world, getting home quickly. So there was a, a hiatus when everyone was getting themselves settled and getting themselves used to being online and interacting with each other. But I'd say because we had no choice and because we had no need, no opportunity to prepare, it went really well. But it also perhaps gave us sort get the opportunity to see where things could be improved given time, and realize where things weren't working ideally on, on online. So I, I guess that's 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 my my experience.
0: I love that idea of inventive problem solvers. That that's what we do. That's who we are. Alvaro, let's bring you in. What was the pandemic like for you and your students?
2: I, I would agree. What was so quickly that at the beginning we couldn't really think about it. And also I would agree like the first a set of students because in my master's is like every year we have different students it's a just one year program so uh with the ones that we already knew from before pandemia it was very easy to adapt the only thing obviously we have to change to a less hands-on approach because usually our research is more like prototype based which was very difficult to produce during the pandemic but at the same time it was good because it pushed us to to explore different concepts or new ideas regarding our, our research field so Obviously, has as uh, every crisis, there is two two sides. That is the <laughs> the bad side of the crisis, but also the innovative uh, thing that is pushed by the crisis to to adapt and to solve it. Uh, the second year was a bit more tricky because to not to know the students obviously is a, is a difficult barrier for for us because. To produce such a different researches than traditional architecture, because obviously we are focused on augmented reality and, and virtual reality and extended realities in general, it's uh, way easier when you have a very close contact in the studio with the students and you can really follow them and, and guide them uh, in a day-to-day basis, while with uh, the remote teaching, it's not that easy to get the same engagement from the students. They, they don't feel as close as they used to, to feel before to the teaching. So that's a big change, but I think we overcome it. <laughs> I would say in an acceptable way <laughs> and, and I think now obviously thankfully we are taking back to a more personal and close teaching again so that sounds good but with the new ideas that is the, the optimistic part.
0: <laughs> so part of what I'm hearing is that both of you embraced the opportunity to innovate that was created by the pivot to online teaching. And I'd love to hear a bit more about what specifically, concretely, is different about teaching online. So, how does the online medium, the online delivery, change maybe your pedagogy, the curriculum, the experience in the classroom? Can you give us some concrete examples?
1: I mean, as I was saying, right, that we had this amazingly quick shift to online teaching. And a lot of that wouldn't have been possible without uh, our colleagues in the Arena Department, Arena Arena Organisation, because they were able to jump straight in and 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 teach those of us, and I have to that I was one of them, who had almost zero online teaching experience. I'd, I'd run I'd run away from it at every opportunity, uh, and suddenly I I had to get involved, and that was great. So it forced me to think like that. But also to come to realise that my students probably already had some knowledge of that and actually probably were initially were were were, were certainly more experienced in that world. And again, in, in the Bartlett School of Architecture, we have this fantastic team in the workshop in BMAID who were really amazingly innovative in terms of how Normally, what they'd have been able to do is support students who pop down to the workshop and have ideas, want to make things. And, and, and that would all be face to face. But suddenly they had to address that idea of making online, uh, which is obviously an additional support to anything we're doing in terms of, you know, face to face or online design teaching. But they were remarkably inventive in terms of putting up uh, little films, little little workshops and opportunities for students to realise they could carry on making from home. Whilst the facilities weren't physically accessible to them, all that knowledge was. And that meant that we were talking to our colleagues in a way that perhaps we hadn't been when we were all in the building together, which was which was a revelation for me.
0: And Alvaro, what about some concrete examples from your experience of online mm. teaching and the ways in which it is different?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it has uh, changed the, the way we approach the, the whole unit. The fact that we couldn't access any more PC prototyping made us uh, clear that we should explore other areas of the knowledge that is related to the extended reality. No? So basically this year, well, from the starting of the pandemic, we started to research about what AR could do in our case. And for example, we started to explore platforms, online platforms, as a, as a way to, to introduce uh, augmented reality for manufacturing through platforms, as in a gig economy uh, environment. Or for example, this year or this last year, what exactly we could do into the extended reality or even the, the metaverse that now is <laughs> so so popular <laughs> these days with how with augmented reality, we could basically change the way we perceive the city. So, so th- therefore, we had new ways to explore what are the capabilities or the options that augmented or extended reality gives or could give. As in the future. So it's a very interesting change from augmented manufacturing, which was basically the main focus of the agenda before the pandemic, and now it is branching in several other directions that are also super interesting and super relevant, I think, for what is coming.
0: So you mentioned the future and what is coming, and I wanna put you both a little bit in the hot seat. You and your colleagues and really the whole of higher education has very quickly learned how to deliver everything we do in an online way. But now that we're getting through what we hope is the worst of the pandemic, and we're able to welcome students back into our classrooms, back into our studios, we have some big choices ahead. How much of our teaching do we want to do in person? Is there still a rationale for doing some of our teaching online? And I'm wondering what you think about this. If you imagine the ideal future of uh, teaching over the coming years, what place, if any, does online teaching have in that future? Elizabeth.
1: That really is a tricky one, isn't it? Because, I mean, we've talked about how we were sort of essentially forced into that situation. In terms of online teaching, maybe it's not the teaching so much, but certain approaches to how we support our students and what we ask them to do would be the angle I'd come at it from. So, I think one thing we noticed was obviously for for a long time, we were a school that really supports students printing their work, and you know that that's incredibly expensive suddenly going online realizing that obviously so many of our students' work initi was initially you know on their computer it was a digital piece of work, and it could stay there and I think that was really quite important to understand how that could be shared with other students, how that could be seen, and also very sort of practically students could save money so that that's an obvious advantage to how online or the advantages of online teaching can be realized in terms of whether there's a place for it in the future yes i would say definitely where there's repetition so so often i think i've heard from colleagues where they've they've really enjoyed the potential for they might have set up a workshop recorded it and suddenly seeing the opportunity for that to be repeated to be used as a as a as a, as a tool for years to come months to come and across different cohorts of students so i think that's seen as a huge advantage I've struggled personally in recent weeks in terms of trying to, d- to teach students who some are in the room and some who aren't. And for me, that's a huge challenge and maybe not for other colleagues, um, but I find that very dislocating for myself, but I'd, I'd say for the students who are and aren't in the room as well. So for me, the best sort of way for online teaching would be either one or the other to have everybody in the room or everyone online, because for me, the, the compromise doesn't quite work. So I don't, I don't see that as the future.
0: I think it's really interesting that keeping certain things digital going forward could be a really attractive thing. And you didn't mention the sustainability impact of not printing mounds and mounds and reams and reams of paper. And there might be other ways in which the work that we do could be rendered more sustainable by embracing digital representation, digital making, digital sharing, and so on. And so, Alvaro, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, you you work in fields quite closely connected to Elizabeth's. Is your experience very similar?
2: Yeah, I think in a way, yeah. So I, I can see there will be some digital teaching for sure. We'll continue in some areas with that. Like, for example, I see like all all related with digital skills or things like that could remain digital and we will could save time and money and resources to everyone in that sense, but. In a way, the, the core part of the teaching, like the studio teaching, will, I think, come back in person because it's, I think, more efficient. Obviously, there are situations where it could go digital, like uh, Elizabeth was saying, when something is more, more or less like a quick review or something that is just, uh, has the, the right speed and you, need, you as a tutor really need to check that it's going well. In these situations, it looks like digital could be an option, but uh, for sure, what is a very really strange place is the, this hybrid moment when you have... Uh, online students and physical students at the same time. And I don't think no one is really present. <laughs> like, I have a feeling that it's very difficult or especially for the online students, to follow when there's a physical class happening. Uh, maybe it's a matter of improving the technology. I'm not 100% sure of, the, of, of this, but it looks like it generates some strange uh, scenarios because obviously the, the, the interaction is very different. Like, right? When you are doing an online interaction it is a completely different approach than when you are doing a physical interaction with someone teaching. I think that still is not in the place that we could normally use it. I mean, as an exception could work, but I don't see that as a feature for now. Maybe technology changes and we move uh, to a point where when this is super natural and accessible, but at this point, I think this is clear that we need to differentiate moments for online and for in-person teaching.
0: So I think it's really important that you are mentioning future technology, and if technology changes, it could again change how we do and do not bring online teaching into our programs. And, and I hope I don't sound really old-fashioned and out of touch, but one of the things that's been really disappointing to me about the whole pivot to online are the limitations in technology. So, you know, moving into an online learning environment was nothing like the film, The Matrix, where you immerse yourself in an alternate computer-generated dream world, and you're wearing really cool futuristic steampunk clothing, and there's lots of kung fu and video stuff going on, nor do we have a situation where you have hybrid teaching and people can beam avatars to sit around the table to represent them in the classroom space. In a way, I wonder if what's holding us back in the ability to have super productive, super immersive, super collaborative online learning experiences is the fact that our technology cannot yet do what we want it to do, by bridging the gaps between the real and the digital, do you have thoughts on that? Is there can technology get us over this?
2: I think it can, I, I, because I'm very close rela- relation with all the computer vision technologies that are being developed now, and and they are like super new or or innovative. Uh, I, I think it will eventually happen. It's just. Now, the, uh, what, what is accessible for the, for the normal user is not as powerful. We are starting to see this sort of technologies, like, for example, uh, there are some phones that they already have, cameras that can recognize space and read elements, create like digital environments through the camera, but they are still very rudimentary. Like, obviously, the technology needs to get cheaper and accessible in order to produce this sort of situations, because the main issue or the most complicated part of this digital environment is to read what is happening into the real environment and translate it into the digital environment. That is the the difficult step because the rest of the technology kind of exists, like VR goggles or AR goggles, they already exist. They are available for people to buy and the technology is quite good in general, especially for the VR. They are are more advanced or more user ready, I would say. But it's just the process of translating what is happening, in the reality. To the, to the virtual world what is still lagging behind and I think it will be solved because now I think many companies are heavily investing in, in that so so I think it's possible that in a few years cannot guess how many but a few years we could we could see a better, a better integration of the reality into the virtual world for sure
0: this makes me think of the philosophical question behind the topic of this episode so I began by by saying we're going to explore whether online, space is real. And I think bundled up in that question is is this philosophical dilemma about what is real, where is real, how is real. So we've been talking throughout this conversation about real in-person teaching and then this digital simulated experience that happens online. But is it fair to make those kinds of Differentiations, Elizabeth. Do you have thoughts on this about the way in which we continue to prioritize the physical, the material, as being somehow more real than the digital, the virtual, and so on?
1: I think the issue is it's whether it's where we, when we're trying to literally replicate the, the face-to-face online is where in in retrospect it begins to go a bit wrong because those two things I'd say aren't the same. They aren't the same sort of space, and we we took time to discover the advantages and how we could make that digital space different just very practical things. I mean, within school, we obviously have a thing called a design review where students pin up their work and at certain key points in the year, we, we talk about that. And it's it's a lovely opportunity for everyone to come together, look at each other's work, can be quite can be quite sort of a stressful experience when you do it face-to-face in terms of the logistics of pinning up work and all those sort of time factors and printing work you were saying yourself in terms of the financial issues associated with that and sustainability issues. But online, suddenly that it became, it has become, I'm not saying we've actually as a unit, but we've begun to address the potential of that on a very practical level so suddenly with these design reviews you 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 get external critics in you get someone who's in practice someone who teaches the other side of the world and if you're lucky enough they're in London so they can come along and see your students work we suddenly realized that we could we could get anybody in not anybody obviously but anyone who's prepared to come and they'd be in different time zones and supporting our students and talking with each other and suddenly that environment became really exciting in a way that you know not that it couldn't face to face but the logistics of getting everyone in the same room at the same time, just wasn't possible. And I feel trying to be more inventive with that and thinking about how the crit might operate, less so in in my teaching experience, but across AIS and other modules, a lot of people have been using the software Miro and seeing that as a way to replicate students all having their work on the wall at the same time and being able to sort of orientate that like you might face to face in the classroom when everyone has pinned stuff up on a wall and put models on the table. And again, trying to be more inventive, trying to not literally replicate that, but trying different ways to sort of reinvent that experience and and make it better. So I, I could see the differences and the opportunities for face-to-face being not not purely replicated, but but sort of somehow reinvented online.
0: I think that word "replicate" is really important here, and I personally love the call that you're making to let go of the in-person classroom approach and to be open to reinventing what a classroom looks like and how it works in an online space. What I also hear that to me sounds very positive that is that driving these spaces, whether they're the physical space or the online space, are the values that run through our educational practice. So I think both Alvaro and Elizabeth, I've heard you at various points advocate for the importance of collaboration, for interpersonal connection. So whether we're in person or online, we are always seeking to find ways to connect together, to be together. And so Alvaro, if you think about that side of education that it's about putting people in a space together regardless of how that space is constructed or where it's located, where might things go in the future? Could you imagine really radical new ways of doing design studios that make use of the virtual, the digital in the future?
2: Yeah, I think it is a it will eventually happen like I can see like after this online situation all over the world. I can see many universities are very interested in, in this sort of teaching to what, what basically Elizabeth was saying, you know, to attract people from other sides of the world to to teach for maybe for a specific term or something like that in a more efficient way than brought in the person into the, the actual university. But online, I, I can see many of my partners have been teaching across the world during this pandemic because they were teaching online and I think this will definitely push for some sort of virtual environments that can allow for better online teaching in the future with, with this sort of approach. Like, uh, it will I don't know exactly how it will be like maybe it's uh, closer to what we see in the science fiction films or something like that that we can see like a virtual imitation environment or maybe it's something more abstract as an improved version of what we have with Zoom or Miro or Teams, like in some sort of interconnected sort of platform that can allow all those interactions in a more abstract way. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, maybe it could be both in on different times. Eventually, I think that, that could be the, the case that we, it will exist, this alternative, especially for maybe universities that are growing to, to attract talent in a, in a more accessible way. For example, that could be very important for, for this environment.
0: We are feeling a great urgency to come back together in physical space because we've missed being with each other in rooms. And some of the rooms that we teach in at the Bartlett are fantastic and beautiful and custom designed for the form of teaching that occurs in there. But let's face it, like all universities, we also have other rooms, other spaces that are not really ideal. Maybe not enough light, maybe not enough desks to fit everybody. Uh, Maybe the radiator makes, you know, weird noises in the corner, things like that. And I wonder if we imagine what a future online learning environment looks like, if it gives us an opportunity to actually transcend some of the really mundane, practical, but real problems that we have in the real world. So if we could imagine a classroom of the future where there was always enough space, where there was a way for everybody's voice to be equally heard and amplified where the the, the quote-unquote furniture, the infrastructure of the learning environment could be completely state-of-the-art and comfortable for every user, regardless of where they're located or what their abilities are like and so on. I wonder if the online, in some ways, represents an opportunity to be more inclusive in the way that we teach.
2: I totally agree with that. I think we'll be more inclusive. Like, one of the things that technology has, especially in these sort of situations, is it democratizes access. For example, traditional architecture is a, is a is a degree or is a bachelor that really requires a lot of resources from from the student and a lot of capabilities from from the student, like uh, physical capabilities. I mean, and now that that obviously leaves uh, people out sometimes. While if you focus in technology, like a pure digital environments, this is not going to be a problem. So, someone that has budget issues for making models or for printing or or some sort of disability that impedes them to create models or big models or beautiful models. All of these things can be overcome by technology and basically give more accessibility to any sort of student. Because now uh, you can see like all the Zoom calls or, or whatever meetings that they are online, they all have captions for people that they struggle with the language or things like that. So they are getting more inclusive, definitely, and, and will help to really facilitate the access to a wider range of people to the architectural teaching and learning environment.
1: Before we get to that point, I feel we do need to address where we feel there's perhaps some inequities being brought about with by online learning. We, we've all been in, 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 in teaching situations where students haven't turned their camera on, don't feel comfortable turning their camera on, maybe not engaging in the way that they might have were they in the room. And just exhaustion as well. The on, online teaching can be exhausting for everyone and, and physically as well as mentally. And I feel we need to really think about about trying to address those things before we necessarily. I mean, cause I don't doubt what, what Alva was saying. There are p- huge potentials for inclusivity, much more inclusivity in terms of online teaching. But at the moment, I feel there's some glitches insofar as I feel some students aren't quite, you know, aren't quite getting the experience we'd want them to. And how do we address that? I mean, that's that's the really that's the really key thing for me before we almost go on to that next
0: stage. And there are very basic things that we all need in order to access online education, such as computers and internet access. And as we learned during the pandemic, not everybody has stable or equal access to those things. And that represents a very real barrier for some of our students. I totally agree. And, and I
2: think it's, it's true. Like, we need to adjust still. Like, we are not fully ready for, for this. It will take time. And also, the society will need to adjust. It as, as Elizabeth was saying, as I, I know many students get super shy because of cameras and interactions online. But I think it's a matter of they will get you, like, they will understand that it's the same as in a personal interaction. And and even now, like, just as a, as I know, like, a, for, I know in, in Asian countries they are now using digital avatars that read the person and transform the full image into something different and so they don't need to show even their their real self into the interaction so let's see what happens (laughs) but yeah yeah we need to adjust I I agree with that
1: it's also really important that um, how we get on with each other because in a school of architecture there's so much contact time between tutors and also between students themselves and how to you know how we find a way to replicate that the lockdown happened when most of our students already knew each other and they knew us Whereas, obviously, starting from scratch was a very different scenario where students had never met each other, had never been in the building. So trying to talk about those things, to talk about education in the context of the physical world that we taught in and, you know, our colleagues, our team of of colleagues across across the program, getting people to understand who they were, but also physically where they placed within the building was a real challenge and and it is that sort of also it is that extracurricular side that we we can't ignore that's so important to students as well to get get to know each other to be you know seeing each other face to face um you know sharing experiences visiting places just socializing and trying to find a means to do that because it's not just about delivering a fantastic education which i think hopefully hopefully that's something we we have done we are doing and have adapted to in a, in, in the best way possible it's trying to replicate those other really important sides of being in a university, those, those friends you meet and will work with the rest of your lives and those those, those surprise contacts you make. So I feel part of the, the online experience, if it, if it can't be replicated, then we have to think about how we, can, how we can offer that or how we can facilitate that or support students achieving that.
0: Beautiful sentiments, Elizabeth, and I find that a very compelling vision for what education can and should be. It's not just what happens in the classroom. It's the, the, the whole experience of spending time with others, building friendships, having experiences in and out of university. So thank you so much for answering all of these questions that I've been firing at you. But before I let you go, Alvaro, and Elizabeth, there's one more question that I want to ask each of you. Looking to the future, what is the one thing that needs to change so that we can build better? What do you think, Elizabeth?
1: I would say, and this may be not quite the answer you would expect, but I'd say it's just understanding each other better, having empathy for each other, and really putting ourselves in each other's shoes. And I think that sort of has happened in in recent months across the year, where we've all had to understand that we've all got very challenging jobs and very challenging, you know, challenging sort of experience being a student in this time and trying to find means for us to be more empathetic for each other and really think through other people's circumstances before we sort of try and assume a problem can be solved.
0: And Alvaro, if there's one thing that you think needs to change so that we can build better, what would that be?
2: Yeah, I will also, I'll be here with Elisa, like we need to... To have a a very open mind in the future, like try to open even more our minds in the future, and understand that with all those changes, we we need to be able to adapt them and to embrace them because they are gonna happen whether we want or not, and and we just need to understand how to use them in the in the right way, how we can include and expand the access for everybody to this world. Because so far, in general, building isolated in a way. And now with technology, I think in these environments, we can really expand it for a better user access and understanding, I think.
0: And on that note, let me thank both of our guests. You have been listening to Building Better, the Bartlett podcast. This episode was presented by myself, Christoph Lindner, produced by UCL with support from the Bartlett communications team and edited by Keris Bradley. It featured music from Blue Dot Sessions. I was joined today by Elizabeth Dow and Alvaro Lopez Rodriguez. And if you would like to hear more of these podcasts, please subscribe wherever you download your podcasts or visit ucl.ac.uk slash Bartlett slash Building Better. And of course, you can follow us at The Bartlett UCL. This podcast is brought to you by The Bartlett, UCL's Global Faculty of the Built Environment, and UCL Minds, bringing together UCL knowledge, insights, and expertise through events, digital content, and activities that are open to everyone. We'll see you next month.